0: You can't escape it. Traditional retail is in a slump. Actually, a slump might be too kind of a word. I think traditional retail is in an accelerating decline. Sure, there are retailers out there that are expanding like Amazon, but there's also a considerable amount of consolidation and commoditization, which will inevitably result in a few companies winning. On this episode, I'm talking with Marty Cornish, who's the founder of Australian Sporting Apparel. Marky has one of the best defined brand positions and purpose I've seen when it comes to online retail. And definitely worth a listen to this episode if you're in e commerce or you're struggling to work out how to better define a niche market and really exploit it with strong positioning and purpose. Welcome to Fractal Marketing. My name is Jared Doyle, and this is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to grow their company through smarter marketing. The goal of the podcast is to provide you with marketing tips strategies and insights to enable you to grow your business. You'll hear from fellow entrepreneurs who share their learnings and insights on how they are growing their business. You'll also hear from marketing professionals who'll give you easy to execute marketing advice. And of course, you'll be hearing from me. You might be an accountant, a graphic designer, a recruiter, a startup founder, or an e-commerce business extraordinaire. But if you're the best kept secret in the industry, then your business is just not going to grow. Let's get into this episode. So, Marty, welcome to the Fractal Marketing Podcast. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is all mine. And I'm really looking forward to getting into this because, you know, you're running a successful retail business. And I've been talking to lots of founders and entrepreneurs that are sort of either service orientated or they've got kind of disruptive tech. You're much more in the e-commerce space. So I think there's going to be lots of people who are going to love to hear your story. But before we get into it, we need to know what your business is and what you do. So, if you can give us the quick pitch on Defense Sporting Apparel, that would be awesome.
1: Awesome, awesome. So uh, essentially, in uh, Defense Sporting Apparel, I used to be in the military, and it started off, I owned a company called Ambition Fashion, and we own two different clothing brands. And Defense Sporting Apparel was only really ever started to do custom clothing. And basically, we, we released a cap for a client of ours, and we posted that cap on our Facebook page. And that's when I first really learned about product to market fit. Because all of a sudden I had all these people commenting going, where can I buy this cap from? You know, because what kind of style was it? It was like a multicam, just a very basic. I think it was more what sold it though was the branding and what it represented. So a long story short, from that day, Defense Sporting Apparel has grown from a B to B to a B to C from zero to 40,000 customers in around 22 countries. And what I learned or what I've learned in the past few years is that a lot of the generation that I I market to, they believe that the younger generations in Australia and around the world are forgetting what a lot of our uh, ANZACs and a lot of military people have sacrificed for. So what Defence Sporting Apparel does, the value add is that we keep that spirit alive
0: it's not just a retail. It's not just, okay, here's a product and there's a price and we go through. The entire brand of Defence sporting Apparel has a mission that is to keep, you know, look, well, in Australia, it's that Anzac spirit, but are you saying it's also, you've got a global customer base or is it all still based around Australian, mem- Australian memorabilia?
1: Look, because basically um, I order too much inventory and um, <laughs> <laughs> and I've always had a big, I've always been, dream big. I've always had... You know, I think it's because I've watched too much Scarface and uh, you know those kind of movies about taking on the world. The world is yours. So I've always had a global mindset. I've never ever been uh, inspired just to to think um, you know nationally. I've always been motivated by international. But that cap that we ordered too much stock of, I then started targeting on Facebook, the United Kingdom, Canada, and because America we're kind of blocked. There's a little bit of a political thing with Facebook at the moment with us in in America, but. What I learned was that that product was universal to Canadians, to uh, UK, people in Kingdom, New Zealand. And it's amazing what I've learned, that it's not just an Australian thing with the problem we're solving, it's also internationally.
0: Right. So let me just recap so that people listening are on exactly the same page. So you've got a business that is large, it produces casual sporting wear, that is has a, a slight military slash defence focus but it's all about keeping remembering the effort the spirit the anzac whatever it is the military service and honoring that time and effort which means your target customers are either or predominantly would be ex-military or even current military so you've got currently serving ex-serving and also families of people that have served or you know so kids and so there's all those markets work and these are all people that are keen to i guess wear the clothes when well, Branding clothing branding is like a badge of honor, right? It's but this is literally that. It's about wearing that and saying, "Hey, we are proud of what the military personnel do for the country and have done for us, and we want everyone to not forget about that." So you're really tapping into a really raw emotional position there, right?
1: Yeah, and you, you know, it, it is quite sensitive. Like we even have some people that. Um, what I've learned is they have never actually served in the military. It may be their great grandfather or. You know, people, you know, some people are just patriotic. They they love our Mm. country. They love America. They love United Kingdom. They they realize that, you know, a lot of young men and women have sacrificed so we can enjoy what we live now. But I believe now in the last 12 to 8 months, we've expanded beyond that. So we're not so much focused just on the military. We're more just about keeping the spirit alive, even with some of the other collections with, say, for example, the Ned Kelly or even with our camping outdoor range, which I can touch on how I broke into those markets, it's more just that general, that way of life, that Australian way of life or, you know, that American way of life of, you know, the great outdoor is keeping that. So we never ever lose that.
0: Great. Well, you know, uh, as you say that, I speak to so many people who run e-commerce stores, not so many, but enough people who run e-commerce stores, and it's very much product-led. You know, it's like, we're going to sell this, we're going to be cheap, or it's going to be good service, or it's going to... But it doesn't often happen that someone has such a clearly defined persona and a clearly defined mission and vision around that. But what I find particularly interesting is that you kind of happened across this accidentally, which often isn't great. Like often it's like, oh, I found a market. Now I'm going to exploit it. But as you said at the start, you happened across a market, but you happened across it because of your background. So, you know, you've served in the Australian army, was it? Yeah. 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 So you, you have some right to be in the space. You have a, an origin story that relates to it. Like I, you know, maybe I, I, mean, I definitely don't have the same you know relationship. My father was in the Air Force, but that I don't feel that it gives me a right to sell this (laughs) equipment do you then find though that with such a passionate and and defined mission that at the same time you're going to so when I think about these markets and I think about if you get something beautifully defined like you have you often find there's a there's a culture culture argument and an almost an opposite and and do you find that sometimes you get people who are either a totally anti-military and war and therefore don't like your brand or b people who are so far into it that when you slightly misrepresent a, a battle scene they come at you and say they would never have gone with fixed bayonets or, or i don't know I'm making stuff up but do you have both of those problems
1: yeah i do i'm laughing because uh yeah you're speaking exact i've dealt with that and um yeah cuz you once it's it's interesting because you're dealing with such passionate people about a topic and um that's where now i've gone broader to kind of not to be so as niche But yeah, to answer your question, we do find that, and more leaning towards more the passionate people who are very well educated on the history. And we get a few people that, you know, anti-war or, you know, people are just making money. But um, at the end of the day, like to go back what you were saying, every business or brand that I've ever started, it's always been, it's got, my focus is always to try and add value and make a difference in uh, our consumers because I want to create movements. I don't want to just create... I don't want to sell other people's brands. I'm not... You know, I like to... Like, I like to see somebody... I've seen this multiple times where I go out, I see people wearing a Defence Sporting Apparel shirt. I've seen it in the gym. I go out for dinner. And, and I say, look... What
0: was it like the first time that happened to you? Like, the first time when you walked out and you just randomly saw someone wearing your stuff? I mean, that must have been a real, like, euphoric moment.
1: Yeah, look, I'm getting goosebumps now just kind of talking about it. It was really surreal because I, like... I've been in this game for a lot of years. I was building my brands even when I was in the army. You know, I've been, I'm a purebred entrepreneur. I've been doing this stuff since I was 10. And when I'd surround myself or look up and watch some of the top brands in the U.S., they'll talk about those moments, those, you know, epiphanies or, and when it first happened, because it was like a five-year period where you're hoping for that moment and it never happens. And then when it occurs, it's kind of like you're just sitting there, like, wow, this is really happening. It's crazy, and like, because it's different if you kind of know the person, or it's one of your friends' friends. Yeah. But when it's a complete stranger that you've never met, it's where, where like, was
0: it? Where were you? Were you like just out and
1: about, or it was actually at my gym, like, as a very no. low-key gym. And because of my target demographic, they're normally I know for a fact he didn't know who I was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um and I've actually met up with some of my customers now and actually gone out and had some beers because out, we've, got re, we've got a very high customer um, repeat order. Like I've got customers that spent a lot of money. And like, I've tried to take the initiative of kind of treating it like, not like, like a supreme in terms of, we keep our designs, you're very unique, exclusive. You can't get them anywhere else. So when we do our drops, I kind of try and bring a bit of youth into it and we have people lining up at 7am because we're going put this in your calendar we're dropping 50 we've got people at six so you're,
0: you're creating like apple excitement effect with this for this brand as well
1: that's what I try and implement and we try and introduce and it's funny and um some of our really low customers have tracked me down or tracked they work their way through and you get to know who they are and they're like, hey, Marty, we're coming down to the Gold Coast. I would like to invite you out. Come around, we've got an apartment, we're gonna have some beers, a barbecue. So, I've become good mates with some of these people. There. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. I've got this nagging thing in my head. Just, I just want to. I think before when I phrased there, you know, some people who will be anti war, and I said, when I said that, I'm looking because it implies that people will be pro war. And of course, everyone in the military isn't pro war, they're anti war. It's just, it's a function of what happens. And I just, in my head, I was just like, why does that feel so wrong? And it's like because the inverse <laughs> is to say that oh, some people are anti-war. Of course, everyone's against war. It's just the where where you position it and where you you focus your aggression on. is a bit different. So I just yeah. I was like, why does why is that annoying me? And I was like, that's why it's annoying me. But anyway, back to what we were saying. So that's awesome, and you've got your you've got your customers now. You were just talking about expanding, you know, the range in the countries. Now it, it's an interesting dilemma that you're you're going not dilemma, but interesting decision to make because there's this phenomenon of like line extension where sometimes brands take something that's working and go oh if it works here for defense sporting apparel oh i can extend it out into camping etc which is often a lot of brands fail there and i'm just wondering around your focus between that and how you're dealing with like possibly the risk of overextending into areas that don't work versus the other option which is like just adding more countries and trying to like make more patriotic you know appeals like you said in in Canada in the US and New Zealand UK like what's the decision process or are you just going to tackle both and see what sticks
1: yeah that's a, it's a great question and uh, it's something that I kind of uh, I think about so uh, the, the first part is is basically when um, I was looking to implement because I was a large part of my traffic or it comes from Facebook ads and email marketing. Mm-hmm. That's my two primary drivers there of traffic, my two traffic sources. When you say email marketing,
0: that's but that's so Facebook's primary drives people in, they register, you get an email address. Email drives repeat customers. Is that right? Or are you using email for primary acquisition as well?
1: No, just for repeat mainly. But we also do some many chat and some message, you know, with the many chat and shop message. That's really good for a product launch when we do it, it drives a very quick hit of traffic on those launches.
0: How do you use that? I mean, just, just on many chat, is that where you're using the chat to like burst out to all the people you have chatted to on Facebook and get them engaged in a conversation?
1: Yeah, well, they've, they've opted in for our – so we've got around 10,000 subscribers. So I, I I probably came out too aggressive four months ago and was sending too much messages. But now with our last product launch, which was really effective, the first day of the launch we send a message and then on the last day when we're closing off the product launch or the campaign we go, look, last chance we're closing up and just two at what side of the camp and at end of the camp. So you, you're not overbearing the message, you're not spamming them and you're building that urgency at the end too, which is quite effective for us.
0: Yeah, so so that's 10,000 people on Facebook Messenger chat that you manage through many chat. You blast out to say, hey, we've got a product launch. So it's something of note to start a conversation. Yeah. Do you mind, I mean, so what, what happens from there? What, what, what are your numbers... You know, you don't have to tell me all the numbers, but, yep. you know, how many people engage with that chat? How many conversations start? And, and then how many people, because I always imagine there's going to be a bunch of people who unsubscribe as well, of course. So yeah. what would you expect on, on a 10,000 messenger blast in, in e-commerce like that?
1: Well, look, I'd have to go over the data, but all when um, to give you the, the real data, but um, off the top of my head, we have a very big quick hit of traffic, a search to the website, because I normally send the EDM at the same time. So I just because basically I'm all about like I'm all about building that momentum, that energy, and just kind of get that moving and get the team and taking that massive action. So uh, you know the organic posts, the the EDM, the Facebook ads, but um, generally I would say off the top of my head I would say around 250 to maybe 300 would click through from that. Yeah, it's it's quite a decent surge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then, so just going back to what we're talking about with sort of dilemma of line extension to so this idea of adding into different areas. So you were talking about, say, camping and exercise equipment. So how do you make the, it's not a jump, but the slight deviation from, okay, this is patriotic sporting apparel. How do you make that move into to camping? I mean, is the camping equipment themed or is it you just sort of saying, hey, if you like this therefore you will probably also like camping or, or how have you done that and how are you making that transition
1: yeah it's a it's a great question so essentially what happened was i had a theory you know because i know a lot of um you know some of my friends in the army are from kind of rural areas or like hunting and we all mm-hmm. kind of generally like fitness that was kind of a given maybe not liked it but we had to learn to like it <laughs> but um when i was going over to my audience insights of my data oh sorry let me take it back a step when i was speaking with multiple agencies in australia because i was so reliant on facebook ads and when my facebook ads weren't performing well i'm like i'm too reliant if facebook goes away what am i going to do then besides edm i need to you know to maybe diversify speaking with multiple agencies around australia and when we were looking when they were presenting their uh, their presentations to me and they're looking at seo the keywords there wasn't much search volume in the keywords for my niche mm. in America. There is for the word patriotic clothing, for example, that's getting around a hundred thousand organic search in Australia. In the US, yeah, yeah. in Australia, it might be getting a thousand, and I am like, it's there is not enough volume in it. Like it's not it's not exciting enough for me. So then, going over to audience insights, I started really noticing that my community is really into the outdoors like a lot of the other brands that they're they're following is very outdoors Mm -hmm. and that's when i started testing so we came up with the 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 great outdoors collection the interesting thing i learned my expectation or what i thought would be my my existing community would buy we did the edms yeah and we got zero dollar sales
0: Right, yeah, okay. That's that's gone against what I was expecting too. I thought this story was going to everyone loved it. Okay, so you've got zero sales from existing customers. You're not in a good position. Where do you I'm, go from there?
1: And I'm like looking. I'm like, man, this is really weird. Like when we release a, a clothing collection, boom, like a lot of momentum, like a lot of orders. Like there's a, I thought, wow, this. And I was learning. I'm thought this is interesting. I wonder why this is. So what i started doing is targeting our great outdoors collections to cold traffic Mm -hmm. in australia and so our new customer acquisitions it's brought in a lot of first-time customers so all our camping outdoor collection which is hasn't gone as well as the fitness the fitness has been our number one performing but it's brought in a lot of first-time customers which is great in terms from my point of view is you know to wait a way to scale a business's new customer acquisition So in a way, it's kind of probably a blessing because it's bringing new people in.
0: Are you able to then, do those people who come in who sort of look at camping equipment, do they, have you been able to move them across to the core sporting apparel
1: line? Good question. Yeah, I've noticed that a few of them have bought like a shirt as well. I don't know the data in terms of how many of them are actually coming back and buying clothing, but I have noticed there is a few there. And at the end of the day, my mindset is, I'm focused on expansion and growing the brand. Mm-hmm. And I just I just want to make a note as well, like we also give back a lot to charity. We've 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 given back close to thirty thousand dollars now. We're given back to two one major veteran charity. Right. Um, we've given back, you know, over twenty-one thousand dollars back to the veteran community. We've just donated over five thousand to the bushfires. So we're not just about growth. We're also that mission that we've got is also tied to, to giving back. And with the fitness, one thing that's been really great with the fitness is the average order value, Mm -hmm. is that we're getting some AOVs really, really kicked up, and it's first-time customers just coming into uh, the community.
0: Do you worry that with equipment that, you know, to me, there's a big difference between customer apparel where, you know, if I want that shirt, you're the only place I can get it, so you own that market. So where I'm getting to with this is, you know, at the moment in the Australian press, even global press, like, retail is struggling right just general retail is struggling and you know these things are being commoditized and commoditized products equipment etc becomes a race to the bottom and you know we've got the amazon effect but then after the amazon effect comes the alibaba effect and all these different things like eventually someone's just going to be willing to do it cheaper and cheaper and cheaper whereas i look at what for me what your clothing apparel is it's it's direct to consumer you know you're the brand and you're the retailer i guess you know we don't really know yet but how do you see that playing out? Because, or, or have you got plans that you're going to end up branding camping equipment so it becomes all branded with your with your logo and, and therefore you become direct to consumer as well in that line?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting point. So I'm reading a really interesting book at the moment called Zero to One. Yep. By Peter Thiel, the co-founder, and he really talks about not competing. You know, in competition because then you're competing on price. It's a bloodbath. There's no margin. Like we see, I was reading about Michael Hill Jeweler today, like saying they're not playing that game of competing on price. And like you just said, uh, as you know, there's multiple major retailers that have gone into receivership. And I feel sorry, I don't ever like putting anyone, I don't like to see anyone lose, you know. I feel, you know, but, and a lot of them are competing on price. The CEO of one of them said, it's we're just competing on margin everyone's cutting mm. cost and there's no there's no profit so you can actually get our camping fitness equipment cheaper elsewhere mm-hmm. and i'm not going to like i'm not going to give away like it's it's a very good price so the margin is smaller but you've also like from my point of view you you can't be afraid because in the early stages of a startup you've got to test to see what's going to build a sustainable model to succeed, you know, to make sure you've got a thriving brand and and test. So, yeah, it's definitely – I know I'm kind of – there's two trains of thought where I either just focus on defence, sporting, apparel, the, the clothing and scale internationally. But um, I'm kind of going to try and do both, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Look, it's it. – we're in an interesting point of inflection, right? Someone's going to win and – and as you rightly pointed out, there's, there's still plenty of space in the market for trusted brands to do that next jump, right? So, mm. there's the lowest price and then there's trusted. And I think, you know, the consumer dilemma I see people going through at the moment is they do find things. It's like, oh, I found a pair of shoes. They're a little bit cheaper, but Hmm, they're coming from this, you know, store in Hong Kong, and there's that trust element, and so mm. there's always a pullback at some point where someone goes, "Do I want to save five dollars on a two hundred dollar purchase?" And they maybe don't turn up, or something's just fundamentally wrong. So. Yeah, you know, there is a gap in the market for someone to value add and add trust, and then and then there's direct to consumer. So yeah, I, like you said, I think you're exactly right. The last thing you want to do is just compete on price, and and that you know what that means is you know you're not going to be if someone goes to Google Shopping and they sort by price, you're not going to be at the top of the list. But do you know what? Those probably aren't going to be the loyal customers either. So. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know. I don't – I feel comfortable with the fitness equipment because I think it ties in well to the brand name, mm. you know, Defence, Sporting and Power, that in there. It's like, okay, they've got – it ties in well on a lot of people. I'm a big advocate for fitness. I just – it's the mental health of it. Like, I'm very comfortable leaving the fitness equipment. And at the end of the day, we can't ship that internationally anyway. That's just a national thing. So I, I think maybe the camping and we, we will have it there because I think it fits in. But I think we're going to reduce our SKU codes – and kind of be more focused at the end of the day my mission is to take this year is to take dsa really break into the us uk and uh, new zealand and canadian markets that's that yeah. and i relayed that in our uh, our brief yesterday you know that's that's the, the mission
0: yeah interesting there you you said dsa which I always find it's an interesting branding dilemma. When you have long brand names, people shorten it, right? So Hewlett <laughs> Packard became HP and then it really became HP, right? And we all do that. Do you throw around the idea of changing defense sporting apparel just to DSA? And then, I mean, look, the problem is, right? I don't know who owns DSA.com, but it's not you. I'm assuming it's not you. That's yeah,
1: not. I've do you think I've about just,
0: it? What's the dilemma there, right? Because you've got wow. a long brand that's, you know, it, it's a semi-fast brand. And by that, what I mean is it's kind of like, you know, it does what it says on the tin. You kind of go, defense, sporting apparel. Oh, I kind of get it, right? But you just refer to it as DSA. And I'm like, and I'm just looking up and I can sort of see sometimes you you put DSA tags on some of the clothing. So, yeah. are you consciously going through a brand shift or is it something that's just organically happening to you?
1: I think it's subconsciously and consciously because I feel like, because I came up with the brand name, mm. you know, three, four years ago when we were p- providing wholesale sporting clothing to the australian defense force or people so it was defense sporting apparel that it was only wholesale that's when the the branding was established yep and now we've grown obviously yeah
0: yeah that's interesting sorry you just said they're providing clothing equipment to the defense force have you actually sold stuff into the actual army or defense force itself or just just to the people who serve there
1: No. So I was actually uh, providing a lot of the, I had a a bit of market share. I think I'd probably maybe 20 or 30% of the market share for a lot of the uh, infantry battalions because I was an infantry soldier. I was connected. Right. So it's like basically, the fence, sporting apparel was never, ever meant to get this big.
0: Like, I mean, in terms of like validating who you are and what you do, right. It's it's a bit like being a you know, like a cycling brand and having, or, you know, I don't know what I'm trying. Basically, if your brand is around rugby and and rugby players wear it, like professional representative rugby, then it's like, oh, you must be real. So your source of truth is, is it actually being used by the Australian Defence Force? And if it is, that adds a real element of market validation for you so i guess can you talk about that can you say it or is it a real no no you don't you don't cross that line
1: no i think it was more because because i played uh you know i played rugby when i was in the army so i had some contacts there and people knew because i was building my first brand while i was in the army everyone knew me hmm. as the guy that was because i was in the paper i was in the media a lot back then like in the telegraph i've been in the crew mail so a lot of people knew that i had a brand so they would default and go why don't you start producing us our custom team wear or our sportswear yeah and then i was i was dealing with uh you know some high-ranking officers. i was doing some of the some of their uh, big events with you know with legacy australia so i was doing business with uh yeah with that's how it started it was only ever b2b and i had my own i have a streetwear brand that i'm very very passionate about it's it's my life i'm very you know it's part of my identity so DSA was more of a, a B2B providing sporting clothing for um, parts of the Australian Defence Force.
0: Right. Interesting journey. Interesting. Yeah. I just I just had to type in DSA into Google and see who owns it. So the domain name DSA.com is owned by a domain name, so a squatter, sitter person. So you know it's for sale. You exactly. just also know that they're going to want a lot of cash for it. So
1: We can't let them know that. They're going to have leverage then. We need to let them know that it's not that valuable. We just want it.
0: Yeah. Look. I mean, just as a side tangent. So, premium like three-letter coms cost a bomb, Do right? They, I they didn't are. That. Oh, really? oh, yeah. Like, um, like if I had to have a guess, DSA, I would say they're probably going to want like, like it's a lot. They're probably going to want to like. Mm, 200,000 US for it.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so if anyone's listening, if they've got a venture capitalist listening to this and they're like, oh, what could we do? How do I help? You know, could I invest in defense sport apparel? It probably doesn't need investment unless we're going to like go, full global and take on all these different countries in which case the first thing we need is about $300,000 Aussie to buy the domain name before we launch so that and you know marketing brand will put all that together for you anyway that was just a tangent I love yeah. I love domains I've been involved in that industry and oh, I really? love going through that experience of kind of like how much does it cost to buy a so that you know the the, the most valuable are like two letter Dot .coms, and then three-letter, and then and then one-word .coms are really valuable because they're limited, right? There's only so many three-letter, there's an, obviously an exact number, but there's a limited number of three-letter .coms, and a lot of them get purchased because how many companies are You know, three words stuck together and then they become who they are. You know, it's like National Australia Bank becomes NAB. You know, they need to get NAB.com.au, right? So, you've just got to become a $100 million company and justify a $200,000 drop on a domain name. you have to hold me accountable for that, mate. (laughs) All right, deal. So, okay, you've got a hugely passionate customer base, a really well-defined market. Do you have any idea, because it's really hard to track, on how much how many of your sales are organic and sort of come through referrals and word of mouth because obviously there's a huge bond that comes with people serving together and ex, ex-servicemen ex you know there's there's leagues there's clubs there's societies so you know do you know how that is helping your business and to what level you get referrals from other people or is that like most people it's really hard to track so is it kind of like oh, i don't really know it's just everything that's not a direct sale is a referral
1: yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit we because we got word of mouth like with the in terms of our because we've just hit five hundred five star reviews online, mm-hmm. and a lot of these reviews we're getting. I'm, I've been reading them, and I'm very big on reading reviews. I'm like you know building that trust and using those reviews in our marketing to to bring in new customer acquisition. Not to get off track off topic, but when a lot of these five star reviews, what they're saying is is like. They're getting people coming up to them and giving them a compliment on, on the shirt and going, you know, where did you get it from? Where can I get a shirt like this from? So we're getting a lot of people say that. And then when I'm looking at the Google Analytics, I know our highest converting uh, source of traffic is the organic traffic that's coming through. So people searching for the brand and then yeah. coming straight in. Yeah. Well, it's a high conversion rate, but there's not a great deal of search. Like that. that's not our biggest traffic source, mm. but it is our highest converting, our most profitable.
0: Yeah. I think that's always a great sign of a brand that's growing and getting strong is when – you know, when direct traffic and referral traffic and brand search traffic starts becoming to be more than half your business, that kind of is a real sense that you've got product market fit and you're getting organic scale. Like, you know, the propagation's kicking in for your business because people talk about it. So, you know, it's a great sign. It's just one of those things that's really hard to measure. So I always yeah. just find it's kind of like, hey, we've made this many sales that we know where they came from. The rest of them is, you know, that's the growth of the brand. And it's a little bit frustrating as, you know, my, my default position is a, is as a direct marketer. So I like to be able to track everything. But as I get older and wiser and, and grayer and bolder in my years, <laughs> I start to learn that actually there's a lot of power in referral and brand growth. And you realize a really strong business isn't reliant on direct channels and it just grows because of the brand. And look, I think the thing for you is if you own your designs, if you're direct to consumer, that's it. Like if someone says, I love your shirt, where do you get it? Well, it doesn't matter, right? You get it because that's the brand. And anyone like Apple or Bose or anyone who's direct to market, if you like the sound system and you want to buy Bose, you've got to buy Bose. Now, I guess if you could buy it from other shops, it doesn't really really matter. And, And that kind of leads to like one of my last questions, which is, you know, at what point would you or have you, would you consider moving your product into other stores? So if someone comes knocking and says, yep, look, we Kmart knocks on your door and says, look, we've seen what you're doing. We would like to stock your product. Is that something you would entertain or or what's the decision process you would go through there? Because obviously you've got to way up. Well, do I want to lose control of touching the customer versus oh, I could sell another 100,000 units a month, which is kind of nice revenue, right? Yeah. So how, do you, how would you weigh that up Um, In your mind about making that next evolution to not just being purely direct to customer, but using resellers?
1: Would you, do you want me to use Kmart as the example? Yeah, why not? Because I believe my personal opinion, no disrespect, because I actually shop at Kmart. I think they've done really well to uh, build a very sustainable business model compared to Big W. But I believe that brands that go to those department stores, brands go there when they die. That's where they go to die.
0: Okay, that, so where would you go as a brand to thrive? Do you go to, like, BCF then? But pretend, Yeah, fishing?
1: that would be more. And it's just because of our price point as well, Like, because our shirts aren't cheap. I would definitely – I'd be interested to do that deal, but I also know how the retail shops work in terms of the terms, you know, mm-hmm. it's the cash flow to be able to fulfill all the orders. But, look, I would definitely entertain that deal. I think it's a great – it would be a great accomplishment. If the deal would be right in terms – I'm not going to be – uh bullied or do you know what i mean pigeonholed by them because i believe i've got the power or we have got the power as marketers Mm. with facebook to go to directly to the consumer
0: yeah i think you're in a strong position you know you don't need to go there i've worked with a couple of brands that have gone in and pitched to say woolworths or, or big retailers and yeah and it's tough you know you you're going cap in hand and you know, they know they're in a position of power and and they they know that they've got you. Like for a lot of brands, if they don't get into Woolies or Coles or Kmart, then they're not going to succeed. You don't need that. So, you know, for you, it's about waiting for them to make that move to come to you. And when they approach you, then you're in the strong negotiating position. It's like, okay, well, here's the margin I need. These are the units. Maybe you can even get them, you know, like you said, if stock fulfillment's going to be an issue, you never know. They might be willing to come to the game and help or, mm. but, you know, I also know that's where investors are fantastic. That's where investors go, you've got, you know, you've got an order for 100,000 customer shirts with BCF. Yeah, okay, I can fund that. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's where that's where angel investors get super excited and they, they write checks really quickly for that stuff.
1: Yeah, like the thing is that I think like what is to stop BCF just kind of copying our designs though, you know, just kind of yeah. replicating. And that's something that I'm kind of, you know, like that's where I think in a tech space when you've got IP and, you know, you've got... Things that people can't easily replicate is where it's you know it becomes really valuable where in I'm probably a little i don't know that's just kind of a, a point of view that I think about is what would are they better off just trying to replicate what we're doing and and do it that way i don't know
0: yeah, look, I think look they may try to do that, but I guess they're going to face the same line extension dilemma that we spoke about, which is look they can do that, but then they're camping extending into your you know defense sort of area, which is and it's a bit like you moving into camping. Like you, you know, I don't think you've got any ambitions to be, you're not going to be able to beat them head to head on hardcore campers. Like that that's that's their space, right? That's what they do. That's another three word brand too that's gone BCF, you know? So this is becoming a theme. So look, I think you've got a competitive advantage if you stay you know, in your lane and you stay narrow, then it's really hard for those guys to to come into that space. So, you know, it's very defensible where you are at the moment. And it'd be very hard for someone to beat you at that because, you know, you're first in the market. Well, you know, you're the leader in the market. Most people are seeing you as being, you know, patriotic defense sporting apparel. So you get to have that market and that lead. It's very hard for someone to take that to take that off you really so yeah. um, i don't have an answer and i'm not trying to give an answer i'm just going yeah, you know, yeah. it's 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 one of those things that you know i think every direct to consumer brand thinks about and has to you know make a decision at some point so
1: yeah so just to add to that see a big part of my focus this year is what gets me excited is breaking into the US market with DSA and because it's such a bigger market such a bigger market cap hmm. it's going to be a challenge which i'm excited about and I think that's where it gets exciting, that B2C tapping into that audience because they're very patriotic. I think you and I have had a conversation previously yeah. about it.
0: I like that for you. Like For your brand, I like the idea of extending the region and keeping on the Defence Sporting Apparel core theme and extending that into the US. That's a 10X market from where you are at the moment. And, it's, and it's, it's core, it's defendable. To me, that's the market where it's going to make a difference for your business and you know, you can... 10x your business by hitting that u.s market but as you as you rightly said you know you're part of the collateral damage um pardon all the military puns here that you're the collateral damage to the political advertising problems on facebook so they're looking and going hey i don't know if we really want an outside australian company advertising on facebook targeting people based on military it just feels a bit political so you're obviously wrapped up in that in that but there's ways around it but you, you're yeah. yeah like i said you're the collateral damage to all the political influence advertising that's happening at the moment around the world
1: but nine months ago we were, we we're targeting now, we we're testing in there and it's only really and uh i'm just going to speak with but people. this is the thing that's
0: changed it's like this is the mark zuckerberg standing up and going we're going to try to crack down on people but what happens is they're cracking down on foreign companies buying advertising and maybe influencing so like, patriotic kind of appeals to the more conservative base in the u.s so yeah so your business has been impacted directly by the desire for the world to say hey we've got to stop this kind of outside influence now obviously you're not a you're not a russian propaganda machine <laughs> trying to change election results, <laughs> but you're probably bidding in exactly the same profile so i kind of get how it happens and i guess why it happens but it, it's you know yeah like i said you're, you're just collateral damage there'll be ways around it but um kind of sucks for better more articulate
1: well you know facebook just reached out to me because i report to facebook apac the pacific so we get a bit of extra help and um i'm pretty good friends with one of the account managers there so basically i think i'm going to be able to get a a, you know a workaround with it and uh i think the biggest challenge with with breaking to the u.s market is going to be establishing that product to market fit Mm. that's going to be that's great yeah
0: yeah, that's super exciting. So I think um, I'll look forward to watching that throughout the year. So just just a last question for you, Marty. Um, if you could go back in time to yourself throughout this business journey, what point in this business journey would you go back and and what would you tell yourself to sort of maybe do something a little bit different? What advice would you give yourself? So would you go back to the start? Would you go back to just two months ago? You know, where, where does the time machine take you and, and what would you tell yourself with your, you know, now 2020 vision?
1: I would say uh, there's there's multiple points. I think there's about three points that come to mind. But I will use the reference, say, about 12 months ago when my Facebook ads weren't performing well, our sales kind of were kind of down, we'd gone through, I was dealing with some internal team members that kind of, you know, weren't performing the best. And basically, I was coming into the day with a mindset that Facebook wasn't working anymore, the platform, and it was just negative um, mindset or negative belief. Fast forward to 12 months, you know, and it's also just contracting, not coming into the day and playing defense, not offense. Mm. Like now I'm all about let's get the momentum. Let's take massive action. Let's increase the ad spend. Don't try and make, you know, a profitable return on ad spend every day. Let's get the volume. So – I would say to myself think bigger take the action like back yourself have the confidence to back yourself think bigger you know just i literally I'm, I'm still so big on that you know you look at any successful person and when they look back on their career they constantly say that they underestimated what they thought they could achieve yep i was having a conversation last night and i was saying i was when i was told about five years ago about a certain online brand that they were doing uh, $70,000 a month. My mindset at that time, I was like, no way they're doing that. Like, how? Like, how is that possible? And because my mind was so limited in that thinking, like, because it wasn't thinking big enough. And then now that brand is doing probably a million dollars, you know, a month. I know they're doing, you know, over 100 million. So I think it's to push the mind and of what is actually, what we're actually capable of.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And it's that self-reflection that allows you to have that, that vision going back. So thank you so much for that. If people listening want to go check out you, follow you on socials, your business, etc., what are the best digital places to find you and the businesses
1: online? My best would be uh, my Instagram. So it's marty yep. underscore made status, M-A-D-E. S T A T U S made that Marty made status underscore made status or my Facebook, Marty Cornish. And, you know, come and connect with me. It's very, uh, very personal interactive and I'd love to if anyone's listening and want to reach out. I'd love to connect with you and uh, get some feedback and see if you've got any value from this.
0: Great. I'm sure somebody will. Marty, Thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed the chat. You were, um, I appreciate your your candid and open approach to the conversation. I think everyone will, will have really enjoyed that. And um, I'm sure you've got a few business supporters out there rooting for your uh, US expansion through 2020. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Cheers. See ya.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.